Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome to The Deal Board, everyone. And today, we're doing something new. We're releasing a new series called Everything You Need to Know About Buying a Business. So, Andy, we've been doing these podcasts for almost two years, just a little over a year and a half now. We've got a lot of content for buyers, right? We have a lot of content. And especially these days, uh, we think it's a buyer's market. We've talked about it on previous podcasts. Uh, We are coming out of the COVID crisis or in the middle of it. uh, And we think the marketplace is set for people to buy businesses and for businesses to buy businesses. We've talked about it over and over again. And people have been asking us, we have 80-something episodes out there. And they're like, where do we find the information? Well, we're going to put it all in one place for you. Right, Jess? Right. So over the course of the next few episodes of this series, there's going to be a part one, part two, part three, probably a part four or five too. But we're going to combine about 10 to 15 different episodes take the best of the best of the interviews that we've done and put it in one place for anyone that's interested in buying a business to reference. And we're going to talk about all kinds of different topics. Yeah, everybody loves a series, right? So we're going to talk about how to grow through acquisition. We're going to talk about the basics of buying a business. We're going to talk about some financing options. I mean, there's a lot to go over and the the result of what's happened post-COVID. Yeah, we're going to talk about the economic conditions, what opportunities lie now. Um, We're going to talk about demographic um, conditions when we're talking about baby boomers. And then we're, we're also going to get deep into the weeds with deals. You know, we're going to talk about not just growth through acquisition, but how to flip a business. Um, What do distressed business sales look like? And, you know, even some information about franchises and then even dive into financing, which is everyone's biggest question. Yeah. And we have some great direct entrepreneurial interviews that you're going to love. I mean, I I would re-listen to these and I was like loving it. I'm like, oh, this is such good information for right now. Yeah. It's funny. And there is going to be some stuff like if you're listening to this in 2020, it's going to be very appropriate current events going on. But even if you've bookmarked this and and let's fast forward to the future and it's 2021 or 2022, there's some great advice here that's not dependent on a certain market condition. Yeah, um, this and there's, is timeless. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally timeless. And we are we do reference some trends that are going on right now because as we're sitting here today, we're still amidst the COVID crisis, a lot of uncertainty. But fast forward, there's still going to be some great advice, great resources and tactics. Um, but what I'd say is bookmark, if you haven't subscribed already to our podcast, make sure you subscribe and bookmark this series. Um, if you subscribe, it'll automatically download to your phone. So the next few episodes will all be about buying businesses. Yeah, and you can go to the dealboardpodcast.com and you could go to Apple and leave us a nice review. There's a lot of places that you can consume this and bookmark it, put it on your headphones uh, and learn. I mean, there's so much to learn and uh, we're going to give you the information direct right now. All right. Well, we'll jump right into it. But if you have any questions, please visit us at the dealboardpodcast.com. Uh, submit your questions. We can answer them via email or in a future episode. All right, let's get started. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-719. 9098. So today we're talking about purchasing a franchise and that's one of the services that we do provide here at Transworld, but we get a lot of questions about buying a franchise versus buying kind of a, a solo business or starting your own business and I still think there's a lot of questions that are asked. So Andy, I know we've got some great guests on today talking about their experience with franchising. Yeah, we have a a couple guests that I interviewed. One of them was uh 
the infamous uh, Bill Luce, the president of Trans World, but he has a, you know, and you know Bill well, right? Oh yeah, he's he's great. He's had has like over twenty five years of experience in franchising, um, from brands like Signorama and now Transworld. But he's just a wealth of knowledge um, overseeing these franchise brands and knowing what makes a franchise successful and what to look for in a successful franchise. Yeah, he's really great. I mean, obviously, he's my partner at Transworld, and he's done a great job of of taking trans world to the next level and guiding our franchisees. And so he's just a great listen. And uh, so if you definitely want to tune in for that and stay tuned for that. And then I interview uh, Damien Becker and Damien is a great story as well. Damien came to the United States from South Africa and he was looking to buy a business and he wound up choosing to buy a franchise instead And it's an interesting story about why he chose a franchise instead. And since then, he has grown that franchise to be, you know, one of the top, uh, it's actually a Sinorama, one of the top Sinoramas in the country. And now, you know, the top Sinorama here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, And he's done that by thinking outside the box. So it's, again, he's great to listen to. You got to love that uh, South African accent. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Then we also have an interview with my good friend, Ryan Tracy, who's an incredibly smart and successful entrepreneur and has really chosen to make his mark uh, through franchising as well with two different brands and started with a few stores. And now I think he's up to 20 or 25 different units across the two brands. And like I said, incredibly successful and, you know, very, very smart and sharp. And he talks to us about why he chose to go the franchising route and what he's done to make his, you know, build his empire through these two brands. Well, you see that franchising aside, all you have to do is drive down the street and see like how many franchises are opening, opening and, you know, they're less risk. That's why people do better at franchising. Uh, you know, the stats are incredible. Entrepreneur uh, had a quote in there that, 15% of businesses that are started from scratch uh, are, you know, have a success rate. Only 15%. That's, That's incredible. incredibly low. And that compared to 90% of franchises. So that spread right there is just, you know, telling. And if you're a first-time business owner, uh, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, looking at a franchise to kind of get your feet wet and buying a franchise and and then, you know, they kind of guide you. I mean, that's what it's all about is having uh, systems and, uh, you know, and you have the ability to resell it, you know, later on if you kind of grow out of it. So there's a lot of options in franchising. And, uh, you know, and Bill talks about what to watch for when you're buying a franchise. So there's a lot of, you know, great information in this podcast. Right. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, when it comes to valuation too, one of the things that we we talk to sellers about too is franchises often get a little bit of a higher valuation because there's that national brand name, national recognition. And like you said, those processes and systems that many small businesses just don't have the resources to build themselves. So you do get a boost in your valuation when you go to resell one of these units or territories that you purchase as well. Yeah, you do get a boost. I mean, people, you know, want to buy a business that has a solid system that has solid books and records and franchising inherently has that because, you know, of course the franchisers want to make sure that everybody's keeping good books and records and has good systems. And that's what it's all about. So we do see uh, franchises. uh, I think uh, Sinorama sells for almost, I I think it's uh, 20% more than uh, a regular science shop. So there are, um, reasons to buy a franchise. And, you know, a lot of people have the myth that, you know, oh, if I buy a franchise, I'm kind of boxed in. And I think our guests kind of blow that out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always tell people like there's franchises where yeah, there you have to follow a system like to the T, but most of them, you know, you have a lot of flexibility to use your entrepreneurial skills and, and grow it and build it how you want to. And I mean, that's kind of what, you know, Al and I did. Um, and the reason we chose to go with a franchise when we started our business brokerage firm is, you know, we saw that we could start this business from our own, from scratch. It would probably take us 10, 15 years to build what Transworld had already created in terms of systems and processes and databases and recruiting strategies and, you know, all of that stuff. Or we could join a firm where we not only got all of that, but we got resources and people to 
utilized in our growth across the country, across the world, you know, built-in mentors, all of that stuff. So to us, it was kind of like a no-brainer and the ROI was very, very easy to calculate. Yeah. And we love our franchisees and and franchisees are a wealth of knowledge. And a lot of franchisors, of course, get their best ideas from their franchisees. The $5 foot long from Subway, that that was born in Miami by a franchisee. Yeah. And incredibly successful. Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot you can do as a franchisee to grow and, and build your business and expand your business. And you're not just stuck in a box, but I think, you know, that our guests really explain that and explain some of the stuff, like you said, Bill's going to talk about what to look for when you're shopping for a franchise, because not all franchises are created equal. So you really have to know what you're doing and know what you're looking for and what's important to you. That's all great information. And let's get to it. Okay, we're back and we're here with Damien Becker of Sinorama. And I'm uh, very happy to have him. He's a great friend, a great entrepreneur, has a really good story about why buy a franchise and uh, and how he's done a great job of expanding that franchise after that. But first, Damien, tell us why you bought a franchise. So in establishing a business, you know, the biggest thing for me was obviously to to have immediate credibility and and reliability, another big part of the business. And, and buying a franchise, being a new business, coming into a market, of course, you join a franchise and immediately the public and your potential clients all see you as reliable and um, all see you as, you know, see you as being able to do the job and obviously realize that there's a kind of big brother over you, making sure that you're producing good quality, that they can trust you. You know, they've got to share a deposit with you and you do a job of $10,000. You know, and you're just a mom and pop store or a, a Damien Signs or something like that. I don't know, how, you know, I don't know how comfortable they're going to be giving you a $5,000 deposit check. You know, they know that if something happens, you know, they could always get back to a corporate office. And I guess that would be with any, any franchise, right? So, so for me, it was, you know, it was about opening a business and investing in a business, but then also finding a way to have immediate sort of credibility and and reliability and guidance. You know, I have somebody that coming into a business I don't know anything about, you know, you have somebody that can guide you and give you the best chance of being successful, share, share past experiences with you. Yeah, that's great. And I remember talking to you as soon as you bought uh, the first store. We'll talk about the second store in a minute. But uh, I remember when you uh, first bought the first store, you said uh, you're from South Africa, if everybody couldn't hear the accent for, uh, yet. But I, I remember you saying, hey, I checked out the sign business for what, and you went back to South Africa and you told your friends, hey, we're not going to start in the sign business. We're going to get with the biggest and best company, Signorama. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about, about signs, you know, when I moved to the US and um, I had a friend of mine back in South Africa who wanted to expand his sign business, but it's not in vinyl signs, a different kind of sign business sort of. But but he wanted to come into the U.S. and and not having been here and experienced the market at the time of that conversation, it was like, okay, no problem. You know, let's do it together. I'll be over there. We'll, we'll expand it. All these great ideas, you know, going to a new country, developing a business and, and, and. To get here in a couple of months down the line, you know, after doing the market surveys, realizing that it was going to be a, you know, it was going to be a tough ask to come up against the likes of San Roma. And, and at that point, then made the decision to, to say, well, look, expanding and starting a, a mom and pop show or, or, you know, an unknown brand, you know, in this market is going to be a real tough ask. So, yeah, to go back to him and say, well, there's no way that I'm going to try and compete against Sanoroma and I'd rather just join them and be, be their friend. And there was a good opportunity with a franchise and for the other reasons we spoke about now, you know, that was the decision there. Yeah. So, and you're not satisfied with, you weren't just satisfied buying one store. You've done a great job of expanding and, and, and Transworld actually helped you do that. So talk a little bit about the two opportunities that you took to expand your franchise. Cause a lot of people think about franchising and say, oh, I'm kind of stuck. And that's really never the case. You always have an opportunity to expand. So talk about the two things that you did uh, in conjunction with Transworld to expand. So once I decided to to invest in a franchise and had, and had chosen Sonoroma to invest in, being with a franchise and having the guidance of the franchise and the people around obviously helped me and motivated me, you know, having a look at the success of other franchises and all that put into one equation, you know, led me to be somewhat successful in the in, in the first one, let's say, up to that point. But 
I got an opportunity to to look at purchasing an additional Sonorama, which is in my area, not so in not as in next door to me, but but in the same city, and uh, it just made strategic sense, you know, from a production perspective and from a marketing perspective. So yeah, I got a you know I got offered a great opportunity through Transworld, and, and obviously you were imperative in that, and uh, and we managed to put a deal together that was a really good deal, and. Um, and uh, yeah, for 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 purely strategic reason and and long term stability and sales and numbers and all the other good things, yeah, you know, I made the purchase of of the additional franchise in Fort Lauderdale. So so in Fort Lauderdale, unbeknown to to your normal customers in the area, because we don't really go out and push it that we have both stores, because the both stores still run independently. But obviously, for us, from a from a manufacturing perspective, you know, it changed. But uh, yeah, we have we have both locations, and customers go to the to the one location like they always did, or to the other like they've always done, and um, and we we strategize and develop them in the back end as one business. So, um, part of you know part of a successful business, and the most important part is obviously the marketing side. Yeah, you've got to produce a good quality product, and you've got to um, you know you've got to produce a product that is what the clients want, but but you've also got to make sure that people know you're there and it's a very competitive business. So another opportunity came up again through Transworld and, and again, you were imperative in that, but uh, it was an opportunity to purchase an LED truck and uh, an LED truck is a, is a box truck of sorts with an LED screen on all sides. And, um, you know, I looked at it and, and, and realized that that was really stepping out for two reasons. The first reason is that LED signs are still up and coming. So what you've got is you've got, you know, you've got people that want to purchase LED signs. They're still a little out of reach for most people financially, but it's 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 an up and coming product. So by having an LED truck, it could put me in front of customers as a professional, as a perceived professional in LED, because you know I would own 200 square foot of LEDs myself. So I looked at it from that perspective, and then also from a marketing perspective to make sure that I can really get the brand out there and get the brand in front of front of my customers, in front of the market. And yeah, I purchased the LED truck and, uh, you know, got me into some really, really good clients, very big clients that, that weren't otherwise with me at that point. And, um, and it's worked, you know, we resell the space and, and resell the branding opportunity to clients and, uh, yeah, it's done really good for us, you know, really good. Well, two great stories, obviously buying the other store to expand your marketplace is always an opportunity with a franchise. You know, they're always going to look to good franchisees to expand, uh, in the marketplace, uh, especially if they're doing a good job. And it was a great idea to think outside the box. And, you know, obviously being friends with Transworld, uh, in the in your marketplace, you could look for opportunities to think outside the box and buy something to even expand the franchise. So uh, great stories. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Great opportunity. Good luck. Hey, Andy, you know what time I think it is? I think it's time to talk about our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Hey, we're back and we have the deal of the week and we're going to talk. We're going to go right to the Big Apple, New York City, and we're going to talk to Carrie Davis and Carrie's with us and he's got a very interesting deal, medical practice that he recently sold that he wants to tell you about. Carrie. Uh, I do a lot of healthcare listings and uh, it ranges from dental offices to everything from medical spas, rheumatologists. This was an internal medicine practice. The motivation of the seller, well, the doctor was sick himself, and it was his son who contacted me and said that his dad uh, wasn't uh, pretty soon wasn't going to be able to practice much longer. So, uh, and to be clear, in New York and many other states, only a licensed physician can own a doctor's office. Right. So we um, got together and I asked the doctor if he owned any other practices. And to my surprise, he said, yes, he also, he also owned an urgent care center. The family had not decided what to do with that yet. And I, I said to them, it would be good if we could list both of them because we would bring more buyers to the table. One of the benefits of using a broker is that we can bring the pool of qualified 
investors to the table. So they agreed to, to list both the internal medicine practice and, and the urgent care. So we, we, this went on, and unfortunately, the doctor died. So now the son, who's not a physician, had to uh, sell the practice. So there's a medical director who's now officially running the practice, but the practice needs to be sold. At the beginning, they priced the practice at 900000 This is for a practice that was billing, an internal medicine practice that was billing 600000 and their earnings was 400000 So a 600000 gross with a $900,000 price tag is, is just not going to work. Right. And I took the listing anyway because as we work with people, they begin to understand. And, and because of the events with the, with the father dying, the family realized it was time to get, frankly, realistic about the price. So that's an important message that, that I want to get across. And that is if, if a person is motivated to sell a practice or, or really any business and they need to sell it as soon as possible, then we can't at the same time be asking for a premium for that business. Yeah, and we've seen medical practices really have a tough time uh, in selling. It just doesn't seem to be the model anymore for people that run individual practices. So um, they were lucky to find a buyer, and that's what we're good at, Transworld. Yes, yep. And there's this correlation between the price of the business that's for sale and the times to take that it takes to get the deal done. So um, we finally uh, made the deal for $225,000. And about four months later, which was just a little while ago, I called the new buyer and asked them how things were going. And it turns out that that doctor decided that he wanted to sell the practice because he was having problems with his other practice. So now I'm able to introduce to sell the same practice again, introducing other people who have been interested before. So uh, it was kind of a complicated deal, but we got it done. Yeah. And, you know, it gave that other doctor an opportunity and obviously it didn't fit them. And that's the good thing about Transworld. You know, they could always come back and resell it. So it was about 225 with 50% down, you said? That's correct. 50% down. And it, it, it would fall in line with exactly what the bank was looking for to support the deal. So it was financed by a bank? No, it wasn't, but it was seller financed. But um, but we, uh, our banker friends are helpful uh, to, you know, put it together. But in this case, it, it turned out to be seller financing. Okay. Well, it's a good deal of the week. Uh, selling a unique business, the medical practices, which we do sell a lot of. And uh, I appreciate you calling in today. Thanks. Thanks very much, Andy. Have a good day. Hey, we're back. And today we're talking about franchising and we have a very special guest. We have Bill Luce, who is the president of Transworld Business Advisors uh, worldwide. And he is here to talk about franchise. He's been in franchising for a long, long time. Uh, Sinorama, other brands. I'm going to get let him talk about his background a little bit. And we're going to talk about you know, why would you consider buying a franchise and who's a good franchise buyer? Why should you look at that opportunity? So here's Bill Luce. Thanks, Andy. Good to be here. Um, as you had mentioned, my background, I have about 25 years experience in franchising. And, you know, franchising dominates every single industry it gets into, whether it's any type of food, business service, automotive, retail, you name it. And the reason for that is because franchise enables people to learn the business much quicker. Um, there's systems in place to help be, people be successful. I mean, if somebody says, well, couldn't I just do this on my own? I guess the answer would be, yeah, I guess you could. But the problem is that the amount of time it would take you to learn the business, develop marketing materials, develop technology, develop a training program for your employees it probably wouldn't be a cost-effective way to go. You know, I could make the argument anything's in walking distance if you have the time, but why would you put yourself through that? It's the same thing with a business. Um, what I look at franchising as is it's kind of the roadmap. And if you had to drive from, say, West Palm Beach to Seattle, could you 
eventually get there if you didn't have a map? The answer is, yeah, I guess you could eventually get there, but you'll have to keep stopping, asking directions, getting frustrated, probably wasting money. Same thing with a business venture. A franchise allows you to get from point A to point B much quicker with less aggravation, and it's usually much more cost effective. That's a great synopsis. So so who's a good franchise buyer? I mean, there are people out there that are like serial entrepreneurs and they're going to do it their own way. But who, what makes a good franchise buyer? Well, I I would say the first thing is definitely an entrepreneurial spirit, but usually it's somebody who can follow systems, um, not typically somebody who wants to completely reinvent the wheel. It's somebody who can kind of fit into a program. And and, um, I will tell you that uh, traditionally, um, People from the military, veterans usually make very, very good franchisees because they're used to following that type of system. But um, the profile would be somebody that's that's business oriented and really wants to succeed and, and is driven to succeed. That's great. And, you know, the people, the reason why franchising is doing so well is because there's fewer failures in franchising, right? Yes, across the board. I mean, franchising probably runs about a 95% success rate, which is very, very high. Um, Again, it shortens that learning curve of people that are going into business, especially if someone's going into an industry that they don't have any prior experience in, which that's, that's not uncommon, obviously, with franchising. It allows people to learn the business, get up to speed, have the systems, and also have support when they have questions. You know, sometimes if you go into an independent business that's not a franchise, you got to kind of work through different problems and different challenges that might arise, where a franchise gives you the opportunity to check with people that are familiar with the business and knows what it takes to be successful. So there's hundreds, if not thousands, of franchises out there in the world How does someone even like start to consider which franchise is good for them and how should they check them out? Well, with Transworld, we have a network of over 400 people that are franchise consultants. We represent over 300 different franchise options in all different industries. Um, United Franchise Group has a wonderful portfolio of franchises from service type businesses to food to office base to retail. So it's a good cross section. But I would say, um, look, look at your strengths. Look at what you want to get into. A lot of people go into franchising without knowing exactly what they want to do. Um, Frankly, it's usually more common that people say what they don't want to do and start ruling things out. But I would say for any type of business you're looking for, chances are there's a franchise in that industry available. And you mentioned UFG and, of course, Transworld is a part of UFG. But, you know, and the reason why we talked about it on our franchise development podcast, why I chose uh, UFG and why other people might choose UFG is that they have a a program where they actually fly you out to take a look at them. I mean, that's one of the things, right? You should check them out. That's right, Andy. I would highly recommend anybody who's looking seriously at a franchise opportunity. You want to go out, you want to visit their corporate office. Um, Usually that's called a discovery day, but it gives you an opportunity to really meet the people that you're going to be working with and see if your values coincide with their values and really get a good handle on the type of business that it is. Um, United Franchise Group, we stress that very, very much in that it's a two-way street. You're get, The franchisee is getting to know us, but we're also getting to know them. And if either of us decides that it's not a good match, no hard feelings, it's part of the research process. And that's why it's very important. So when somebody finally does take the leap and joins a franchise system, what's your advice for them in the beginning? I would say follow the program, work hard, nothing comes easy. But um, with franchising, there's systems in place that will allow you to start off at a much faster rate. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. The programs they have in place typically are proven. Franchises know what works. And more importantly, they know what doesn't work. So you don't want to spend a lot of time and money on things that don't work. So I would say the most important thing, follow the program. That was the answer I was hoping for. Bill, great having you on today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andy. Happy to be here. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our Deal of the Week. Deal of the Week. Sold. Hey, welcome back. And we have a great Deal of the Week we wanted to talk about. And that's why we always love talking about 
uh, good deals for good people. And uh, this is a great story of uh, business uh, kind of out of the way here in Florida, up in Tallahassee. Uh, but we have longtime broker Anthony Geronimo with us. And Anthony, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Well, thanks, Andy. Uh, this is Anthony Geronimo. I've been in the business for about 15 years. I'm a certified business intermediary through the IBBA, also a certified M&A professional. Uh, really love doing this business. And one of the things that I do uh, find the most rewarding is that when you put the right people together for the right transaction, it really is a win-win and you feel really good about it. So why don't you give us a little bit of an outline of uh, who the buyer was? The buyer was, uh, he became really the perfect fit. Uh, he had an extensive hospitality background, so he really understood how to manage people. And he was tired of kind of running around the state of Florida and different areas. He really wanted to establish some roots. So when he came across this opportunity, it seemed like a really good fit. And, you know, the reason it was such a good fit is because this dry cleaner in particular did so much volume every year. They had really a, a small army of, uh, of staff working in the back there. I mean, really, at any given time, there was, you know, 10 to 15 people working in the facility. So he just was a really good fit in that he knew how. Uh, to manage people and psychology of working with a lot of different folks from a lot of different walks of life. How did we structure the deal? Or, you know, what was the price, eventual price it sold for, and how did we structure the financing? Uh, the pricing was really strong. Uh, the business ended up selling uh, with the property for one million nine hundred and fifty thousand, uh, eight hundred thousand of it was the property side. But uh, this gentleman really used all of the resources that we, as experienced intermediaries, recommended to him. He ended up doing a four hundred one k business rollover program, and then he ended up uh, using one of our uh, premier lending relationships to do an SBA loan. Uh, so that was really strong. Uh, he took those 401k funds, used it as the cash down payment for the loan. And we were able to do this, Andy, in literally a very, very short amount of time. From the time we had the offer to the time we closed, it was 31 business days. So, I mean, it just goes to show you the strength of the transfer network that this buyer would have never thought of going to Tallahassee. And this Tallahassee, very established dry cleaner, probably wouldn't have found the perfect buyer like this. And using all of our tools at our best, like Stearns Bank, and I think we use Benetrends as the, uh, uh, the rollover uh, company, uh, the, this person was able to leverage into the deal, establish a great place for him and his family to live. And uh, we have two happy happy sides, right? Absolutely. The, uh, the sellers in particular were looking, you know, they really put blood, sweat and tears into this work that six, seven days a week for many, many years. And they have grandchildren and uh, they're ready to just retire and slow down and enjoy uh, life a little bit uh, more for themselves. So, you know, here they were, they got to ride off into the sunset and they really did a phenomenal job of transitioning with the buyer, spending extra time. They said, even if something happens six months, year down the road, you need to change a filter, get a machine repaired. You call us, we're down the road and we'll be here to help you. Great job, Anthony. Good deals for good people. Thanks, everybody. The show about people who buy multiple businesses and then sell them, and we affectionately call them flippers. Uh, you've certainly seen uh, all kinds of A&E uh, TV shows that talk about flippers, or I don't even know. I don't watch that much TV. Is it A&E? But, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of TV either. But HGTV too. I know there's some there's some fix and flip shows on HGTV for real estate, right? Right. So we, you know, actually, I was contacted by someone in Hollywood that wanted to make a show about buying and selling businesses, but they wanted us to, you know, be able to buy and sell a business in five days. <laughs> oh yeah, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. It's not going to work. So what's a flipper? I mean, yeah. you know, what is it? So a flipper, I mean, it's, it's almost the exact same thing as what happens in real estate, but obviously, you know, not to the level of number of people doing it, but it's, it's a buyer who buys a business because because of specific reasons, um, knows that they can increase the value over time and then sells it. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, what, what does a typical flipper look like? And we've got uh, three interviews today with some flippers and a broker that works with flippers very closely. But that's basically what it is. It's, it's a business buyer that's looking for a business, they, business that they can fix and flip and profit off of in a number of years. Yeah. And we've seen you know, not many of these people. I mean, we have obviously great people that come to Transworld. And, you know, Tom Jones is one of my interviews. And Tom's been with Transworld actually longer than I have. He taught me the business. He's an amazing broker, very calm, very 
you know, analytical and knows how to help people in this process. And so he has a few flippers that he works with. And one of them is Jason Scherer. And he does, and Jason is, uh, again, a great guy to talk to. And you're going to hear from all of them. But, you know, I can't believe there's not more of these people. I know. I mean, like, this is such a, such a great opportunity. And, you know, we've watched people like Jason and I interview um, Chris Vorfel, who, who's been a flipper with us for a number of years and actually is now a broker on our team. But they do so well in this business. And it's just a great opportunity because there's a lot of undervalued assets and companies out there to buy that you can grow over time. And, you know, Andy, you and I were talking about if more people don't get into this business, we might be tempted to do so. There's just so many opportunities. Yeah, there's a ton of opportunities and there's going to be more opportunities. So, you know, if the all the numbers out there by the prognosticators come true, that baby boomers are going to come to market in mass, there's actually some predictions that the, you know, there won't be enough uh, buyers out there in the world, enough skilled buyers, enough buyers with capital. So what does that do? It might drive down prices, number one. Number two, it'll give opportunities to small businesses to go out there and buy businesses. Yeah. And you can almost like, if you're a small business owner, you can almost think of your broker as like your VP of development or your outsourced M&A department that can help you build your company over time through acquisition, which is going to increase the value of it. Because like we've talked about in valuation, the larger a company gets or the larger the SDE and EBITDA, that's when those multiples st really start to move. So if you grow by acquiring some of these other companies, you're really going to increase the value of your business significantly over time. Yeah, we talked about quality and quantity of earnings drive multiples. So if the quantity, if you buy a business that makes $100,000, $200,000 and you grow it to something that makes five hundred dollars to a million, guess what? You're going to grow the multiple and you're going to make a lot of money. And we've seen, we've seen the buyers that we're introducing today on the show uh, do this over time and time again. We've seen people are being on and uh, networking groups come to us and help us build their businesses and hopefully come to us uh, when they sell them. And oh yeah. And that's the other thing, right? If you want to do this, if you want to become a flipper, certainly listen to the show today, but you're going to need a good business broker by your side and you're going to need to be loyal. Right. Oh, totally. I mean, so a few great things that, you know, Chris and Jason bo both brought up is they're always looking at deals and they're always working with their broker. Um, you know, Chris jokes about that. He works so closely with us. He ended up joining his team and he still has some flipping on the side. But we talked to Chris pretty much on a monthly basis and he was always looking at our deals. And he's, he said to me, you know, you guys knew that my business was always for sale. So they talk a little bit about, you know, what does flipping look like and how long do they hold a company and, and, and it typical is about three to five years, but I think it was interesting that Chris brought up like his business was always for sale and he was always looking for the next investment as well. Yeah. And for the most part, I haven't seen these guys have any losers or very few. And, you know, they kind of uh, move on quickly or resell it um, and, and sell it to somebody else. And not that it's a bad business, it just didn't fit them. And so, you know, Jason talks about the most important thing to him. It isn't even price. I know Chris talks about price a little bit, but Jason's like, it's not even price. It's about him bringing his talents to the business. I know. Chris talked about the same thing. You know, well, how can they increase the value? And it's almost like, it's funny when you say that, Andy, it's almost a different mindset, right? When they're looking at buying and selling businesses, they're looking at, at them as financial assets. They're not looking at the business as their baby or something that they're going to spend their entire life doing. They're, they're looking at it as a financial asset. And when it no longer fits them, they're going to sell it off. Yeah. Or they've reached the, you know, the financial capacity that they have or the, you know, their, their knowledge base or their skill base, uh, to, to the level that they, they've reached the highest level that they want to take it. And they, they sell it to somebody else. And again, they are opportunistic and they're always kind of looking out there in the marketplace and, uh, and they're looking at businesses and there's tons of businesses out there that, you know, we always say, and we've said this a lot, do you think there's more bad businesses out there or bad business owners out there? Very, very true. <laughs> yeah. Bad business owners. I'm not going to answer I'll that I'll answer question. it. There's more yeah, bad well, business owners. <laughs> so there's, or, or not even bad business owners, business owners that have lost uh, their passion, business owners that have lost the financial capability, business owners that, you know, don't have the energy anymore or the youth 
And there's plenty of, of room for improvement in these businesses, businesses that aren't keeping up with technology. Yeah. And then, and then there's the whole, you know, we talk about that a lot of buyers are first time buyers. There's also a lot of business owners that get into business and realize they don't want to be entrepreneurs. So there's a ton of opportunities for acquisition. Yeah. So if you want to be a flipper, today's your day. <laughs> you're going to listen to this. You're <laughs> yeah. going to listen to this program and walk away and call up a transworld business advisor, hopefully a transworld business advisor, and you're going to become best friends with them because guess what? They get the first phone calls too, right? Yeah, they get the first phone calls as soon as we get a new deal in the market that we know is going to fit a flipper. That broker's calling that flipper and they're getting the first shot at it. Um, and that's just kind of how it works in our business. Yeah, because they know they pay, they know they get a deal done, and they know they're serious. So, uh, it, you know, so yeah. it's it's all good. Uh, just listen. It, it's a great show. So with that, let's get started. Yeah, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. And we are with... Jason Scher, and he is from, uh, he's bought several businesses from Transworld, one of Transworld's uh, most favorite customers, of course, and obviously he keeps buying businesses from us, but he's he's one of those people that out there is an incredible entrepreneur, able to see value in businesses and able to build them and eventually sell them. So um, I just wanted to have a conversation with Jason Jason today to talk about you know, his experiences and how he does things and why. And, and so Jason, welcome to the show. Good morning. Nice to be here. So Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do or what you look for as far as when it comes to making an investment or going out there and looking for something, what's your, you know, whatever is going to be your next gig. Well, try to find things that I'm comfortable with. Uh, so I look for businesses that have a recurring revenue model, uh, things that I can understand and try to find things that I can have the most impact on. So, uh, for instance, recently we purchased a business where Transworld helped us find. It's a service business where we can market the product or in this case service, um, ourselves and not be so dependent on other people to do it for us. So I know there's been a big trend in outsourcing work over the last five to 10 years, but uh, when you lose that control, you there's a lot of things that go along with it that um, help devalue your company in the long term. So that's a great, great point. Obviously, when you're going out there to look to buy a business and, you know, a lot of people come to us and say, hey, I want recurring revenues. I want this. I want that. And you seem to be able to cut through and actually make decisions. I think that's important. And I think that's an important dis- distinction that you have over other people that you're really decisive. And I mean, you're willing to take risk. How important is that to you? Well, I think it all depends on how you define risk. Um, to me, betting on myself is more conservative than having me rely on someone else making decisions for me. So I think it's really the outlook, uh, more so than just looking at it as, hey, I'm putting a pile of money into this thing. Can it work? I mean, you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself. Uh, it may not always work out. Um, to date, it has, but it, you know there are going to be failures. You have to plan on the failures. But the last question is, if you do fail, you can't be afraid to fail. And you got to learn from those mistakes and move on and get them the next time. That's great. And and so when you're you know when you're in a deal and you're working it, you know, do you try to maximize the profits or are you trying to maximize the growth for the eventual exit, or is it somewhat of a balance? Uh, I don't really look at uh, when I do a deal and buying a business. Of in the back of my mind, I have an exit strategy. Um, of can, you know, how marketable will this business be in the future? But I go into it to buy a business, to grow it. And if I grow it and do the right things, all the other elements will take care of themselves. I'll be able to sell it at a, at a, obviously a higher valuation because I've grown the, uh, I've grown the bottom line. Um, Hopefully I can get multiple expansion because I've grown the business to a larger point and you can get a higher multiple for businesses that make more money than, than, than less. But going into it, I think it's a mistake to go into buying a business with the idea that you're going to unwind it in two years or five years or whatever. I think you really have to focus on the business. Can you grow it 
Does it have the qualities that you look for? And then if, the, if that's the case and you're successful with it, all those other factors upon sale will take care of themselves. That's great. And you talked about valuation a little bit, and that's absolutely right. I've preached that, that the quality and quantity of the earnings drive multiples. So as the quality of earnings, i.e. recurring, that's, you know, that's very high quality. And then the quantity, as things get toward a million dollars, the multiples go up. And you seem to do a good job with that. So how price sensitive are you going into it? Or are other factors more important than price? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not focused uh, on price. I'm really focused on the ability to grow. So I bought businesses, one business that you guys helped me uh, secure back in at the end of 2011. Uh, we paid what most people would consider a rich valuation uh, or multiple of earnings back then. But after we grew the business, uh, in retrospect, we ended up paying very little for the company. So I would not get so focused on what multiple of earnings you're paying today. Think about what will it look like three years out, five years out, if, and the question is, if you can grow the business. Because if you can grow the business, whatever you pay today will be very inexpensive relative to where you could sell it at that moment. So um, I, price is certainly important from a you know, getting financing standpoint. You can't be wildly overvalued. Otherwise, you won't get any kind of financing if you're looking to go that route. And uh, of course, I'm price sensitive. But the most important thing to me is, you know, can I grow the enterprise? That's the most important thing. And do I have visibility in growing it? If I don't, it doesn't have that, then I tend to take a pass. That's great advice. And and so you've been doing this, obviously, for a little while. And, and you know, Tom and I, uh, who you work with here at Transworld, talked about that we're surprised that a lot more people aren't doing this. But do you see the opportunity for young people, especially millennials, who seem to be not satisfied kind of working in one place? It, is this an opportunity for other people to do this? Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, this isn't, I mean, to me, this isn't, terribly complicated stuff. Um, I think the most important thing, um, you know, you have to have a lot of confidence in your abilities and then you have to execute, you know, uh, a lot of people talk a great game out there, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to execute and grow the company and manage it accordingly and be able to hire people and so forth. So for, for people that have not been in business for themselves, I know it can be a daunting task. I've had a lot of friends who, who have not been in their own business who've told me they want to get into their own business. But, you know, at the, you, know you have to have that confidence in the, in the self, uh, you know, the, the, the self-belief that you can make it happen. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that people fear is they, they're worried that they're going to fail. Um, if you're going to worry you're going to fail, then you are going to fail. So... Uh, that would be the one thing that I would encourage any young person to to draw on is think about what you can do, not what you're going to do. That's great advice. And I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, Jason, so much for coming on today. I think it's great advice for people. I think you're a very hard worker on top of all that. So I think that helps as well. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Good chatting with you. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time. Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Welcome back, everyone. And for our Listing of the Week this week, we have Robert Cuneo with us. Who's, he's a broker and owner out of San Diego Central in California. Robert, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Jeff. So you have an interesting business for sale. Tell us a little bit about this listing. Right. This is a um, over 20-year-old sign shop, and uh, it's been a successful business, you know, all the a while it's been in uh, existence. So um, we've had some uh, uh, good uh, inquiries so far on this because uh, I think people see it, you know, as a really good opportunity. It's uh, established. It's, uh, uh, you know, really uh, consistent in terms of sales. It has some growth. It has growth opportunity. So it's a, it's a very good uh, business opportunity in the service business area. 
um, which is basically, you know, um, offering the services of design and manufacturing and installation of some great signs. Great. It's a great industry too. Hasn't been too much affected by the recent economic conditions. And also, I mean, 20 years in business, that business has been able to weather multiple storms. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's gone through the financial crisis back in, you know, 2008, 2009. Um, and in fact, the owners uh, that currently, uh, uh, have it are, have owned it since 2010. So they're the second, uh, owners and, uh, they've, you know, they've done fantastically well. Um, their only, uh, interest is, uh, retirement at this point, cause they're a little bit older. So they're looking, you know, to, uh, put it in, into some good hands, you know, for somebody to take it into the future. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about the financials. What's the asking price of the business and what's the SDE? Okay. So the asking price is 210,000, which is really quite reasonable because the SDE is 118,000. So, um, you know, from a multiple standpoint, this is, this is, you know, quite an attractive offering. Yeah, very attractive. Less than two times, which is the average multiple we talk about across all industries. But for a business that's been in twenty in business for 20 years in an industry that's, you know, weathered storms and weathering the current storm we're going through, less than two times is extremely reasonable. So, uh, Robert, it sounds like a great business. If someone is looking for a sign shop or looking in the San Diego area and wants to inquire about this business, how would they reach you? Oh, great. Um, Call our office, um, which is 888-604-8221, and they'll connect you directly with me, and I'd be happy to give you some some good data on this uh, um, um, to show you how um, much of an opportunity it really is. Well, that's great. And we'll drop that information into the show notes for the listeners as well. Robert, thank you for coming back on the show and sharing this listing with us. Thank you very much, Jeff. Hey, we're back. And I want to welcome a very special guest, longtime partner, Tom Jones, who's been with the company for 25 years. He's cringing because it's been a long time where I think we stopped counting. But Tom is an expert in the business. He's worked with thousands of buyers and sellers over the years. And he has some people that have bought from him multiple times and that's today's subject. You know, we're talking about people who buy and flip or flippers or people who buy, hold, and then sell businesses. And so we just want to kind of dive into the subject a little bit and talk to like one of the preeminent experts in the country. So Tom, you know, number one, welcome. And, you know, first off, you know, are flippers different than other buyers, you know, and how? Well, thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share in the show with you and share some of the knowledge and experience I've had over the years. Uh, to answer your question, I, I, I think flippers are, uh, are different from other buyers. They have different types of uh, goals and objectives. Typically what I've found is, uh, you know, flippers tend to be more of a professional and experienced and savvy buyer. They've been through the process before. They know how to, uh, you know, how to uh, identify weaknesses and correct them. They know also know how to identify uh, you know, potential in a business and they know how to exploit that and grow a business. Flippers tend to have a little shorter horizon than a typical buyer. They, they typically want to be in and out of a deal and make a profit and move on to the next, uh, opportunity. Typically I see them get in, get involved in the deal. They might hold for maybe two years, possibly as long as four or five, um, but they want to build value and they want to build it immediately and they want to see a return on their efforts in a pretty short period of time. Um, and flippers tend to be, you know, pretty well capitalized and they have more, they have a very reliable uh, source of funding. So they're able to get deals done and convince sellers to, uh, you know, to go with them in a very competitive, uh, you know, situation they might find themselves in. That's great. That's a great introduction to the subject. So, you know, a lot of times we see people that come to approach us as buyers and they're so focused on buying the right industry and or, you know, they're focused on earnings. Do you find them to be that focused on one or the other or, you know, which one are they more focused on, you know, what they're buying or the numbers? You know, that's a great question, Andy. And, uh, you know, what I've found over the years is, uh, is that people that are buying and selling businesses with a short, uh, with a short time frame in mind, uh, 
um, typically they're they're not looking for any particular type or size business. The opportunities exist in virtually any type or size, large or small, doesn't really matter. But what they're looking for is they're looking for earnings. And then more importantly, they're looking for businesses that uh, have the potential to grow earnings and thus grow the value. Um, I, I also find that uh, flippers tend to be uh, attracted to businesses that have been neglected. Uh, maybe the seller has, uh, has reached uh, limits of their, of their skill level, or maybe they've been hamstrung by being undercapitalized and therefore the business hasn't really reached its highest potential when they see the opportunity to, to grow it pretty quickly. You talked a little bit about how long they hold the business for, and you said it's not for a long time, but you know, in years, what's that usually? Typically I see, uh, I see a, um, you know, this type of buyer, usually their, their intention is to hold a business for maybe two, two years at, uh, um, at the minimum and possibly up to five years. Again, you know, they have to be able to find the right opportunity, um, you know, execute on a plan to, to build infrastructure, build revenues, profitability, create value and be able to, uh, then capitalize on that, uh, on that effort. Great. So when they get to that decision to sell, is it usually quick or is it, you know, are they, or, or do they get fearful of the economy or what, what usually drives them to sell? These type of buyers, they don't, like a lot of other business owners, they don't get emotionally attached to their business. You know, they approach from day one, their, their approach is to look at this, uh, to, to always consider the end game. You know, when, when they're actually looking for the right business opportunity, they're also always keeping in mind what the end game may look like. How are they going to be able to grow revenues? Uh, grow profitability, grow margins, and and create a better uh, business out of it for the intent, obviously, to to then sell it for for a profit. Yeah, and so with that, you know, like, listen, there's tons of opportunity, tons of businesses for sale, and I think that's only going to increase, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I'm surprised there's not more people out there that are doing this. Are you? You know, that's a good question. I, I do. I, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised there aren't more, more of these type of buyers out there because there are so many opportunities. We, you know, you and I run into them all the time. Um, you know, business owners that they have a nice business concept, but they just, they're either undercapitalized or they, they just haven't been able to, uh, you know, address the, the internal issues in the company. They haven't been able to basically break through you know, the glass ceiling and get to another level in the business. Um, sometimes they're undercapitalized. Sometimes they just don't have the ability to do it. And, but yet they have a good product, they have a good service, you know, and a buyer can bring additional experience and, you know, they can really, uh, they can really turn what is really an underperforming business into something that's exceptional. Yeah. So that, that does sum that up. I mean, I think there's plenty of opportunity. So let's talk about that. So what do you think the future holds? I mean, the economy is kind of hot right now and baby boomers are getting old. What do you think the opportunity is? Is there room for more people like this? Well, I think there's a tremendous opportunity in the next, uh, you know, two to five years and, and, you know, with the baby boomers uh, retiring and exiting their businesses, a lot of them, have become complacent over the years. They get very comfortable with their, uh, with the income they're earning. Um, you know, they, they're not looking to grow their business in the last, uh, you know, five years or so. And, um, there's a lot of opportunity for younger, more ambitious, motivated and savvy people to, uh, to take advantage of these situations, buy these companies, grow them and, and sell them. That's great, Tom. So thanks for coming on today. You handled the subject very well. Hey, how can people get in touch with you if they want to become one of your clients? Thanks, Andy. I can be reached uh, direct on my at my office at uh, 754-224-3111. If anybody has any questions or they need any help with anything, be more than uh, more than happy to help. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. 
you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.